For anyone following professional sports such as motocross or cycling, Dr. Jeff Spencer is the guy the champions thank first. But his teachings are also part of great performances in music and business. And on today's 10-4 podcast, we get 10 minutes, just like Bono of U2, with Dr. Jeff Spencer. So Dr. Jeff Spencer, thank you for being part of the 10-4 podcast. Well, it's uh, my pleasure. Thank you for the invite. Great. You work with many of the all-time champions in Olympic and pro sports, but also in business and performing arts, like mega band U2, which means 97,000 seat sellouts at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena <laughs> and 150,000 people in Italy. Is backstage or behind the scenes at a U2 monster gig total madness or is it anxiety triage? They can't be calm. Can you please share that situation with me and how you get those personalities and egos to perform at their absolute best that night? The very first thing to always be mindful of is that your preparation determines your performance. And their preparation is meticulous. They uh, spend hours, days, weeks, months preparing for their world tours. That's why I work with them to help them prepare for that. And everything that had to go right, they worked on over and over and over again to limit the risk of something not going right to produce the best possible concert in each of the 131 concerts that would make up that world tour. In a sense, uh, they looked at, if we prepare well, all we need to do is to step on the stage and perform. And certainly all things go wrong uh, sometimes, not all things, but certainly nothing ever generally happens in a world tour that's 18 months perfectly the entire 18 months. And there are things that do happen that you can adjust for if you've prepared for the most likely challenges that you're going to face. One thing that's really critical, once you've performed well, once you have prepared uh, explicitly well, in in exact explicit detail to that which has to go right. And this is something a lot of people don't do. They just think, well, I can think it once I get on stage. And the reality of it is that when you go on stage, everything really has to be automatic. There's really no time to think about what you're doing. You just have to execute that which has to go right. You can only do that if you're well prepared. Um, certainly there are things that they do, but be mindful that they're human as much as we are. And there are things that they have to do to be able to stabilize their human nature, anxiety, tension, um, concern about performance, et cetera, that can get in the way of performance. But they uh, have disciplined themselves to be able to do those things that allow them to step on stage, to be able to perform at their absolute best. They train themselves to get there. You cannot uh, execute a plan that you don't have the skill that you have not rehearsed correctly enough times to really make it yours. And that's really part of their success formula. Okay. So, so being able to rehearse, but let's put it, let's put it a little bit different of a situation like where things may be changing more with technology or, or with uh, computer hardware, let's say. So if we were, let's say of a like a system administrator, who runs billion dollars worth of computer gear um, for a high-speed trading network that 
completes trades in milliseconds. You know, trades that are worth billions of dollars a day, day after day, zero mistakes allowed. How, like, how would that person be able to keep running optimally? Because we can't really, you know, things may be crashing and burning and disasters. Would that be any kind of different way to mentally train? It, well, it would be the same thing. You, you would rehearse. And in that scenario, you would have redundant systems so that, for example, you're flying an airplane and one engine stops. Well, then you turn off the bad engine and you fly the plane with three engines because you make some adjustments to make that happen. Therefore, the computer person that's uh, handling billions of dollars of transactions moment by moment, there need to be redundant systems that he knows well so that if something does go wrong, he knows that a backup system will kick in. One thing that's critical to be a top performer is that anxiety must be kept at an absolute minimum so that execution can occur as seamlessly as possible. And again, that would go back to preparation. And you have to check on the redundancy systems. Are they all working? No assumptions. That would have to be confirmed. Same thing. Okay, so art, science, everything same. basically comes down to the same thing. It's all the same thing, yeah. There may be technical differences, like what pencil should I use right. or what guitar should I use, but those are technical issues. But executing what has to go right to put in the extraordinary performance, it's all the same. Okay. Okay. So what if we bring this down, like, let's bring this down to more of a ground floor approach. Like, what, what about the person that has left fitness aside for maybe their entire life for a computer, most likely a PC, but what, what, what are the most simple changes that you think that a normal person could do to make, to make, their, uh, to make their whole lives better? Like, they're not going to win an Olympic medal, but their kids could. Like, they still have legacy. What, what's a simple change that a lot of people could make? It really begins with goal clarity and to make sure that you're really looking at your options in front of you and that you're considering where you're going to put your time and effort and be very consciously aware of that so that you're aware of what the outcome will be once the goal is achieved. And, for example, I've developed a, a system called the right goal system. And the right goal is a series of questions that a person asks themselves against their goal that puts them in a position to really look at the goal through some different questions that will reveal to them whether or not it's the right goal for them. I feel that uh, impulse, emotions, uh, feelings are important indicators, but I don't think that they should be the sole criteria by which we engage goals. So goal clarity is always the very first thing that needs to happen. Okay. Great. And that's all part of the goal achievement roadmap. So those yes, are the questions it is. that get asked inside there so that you can find out where you are on the road. Well, yeah, the, that would be step number one. That's where it always starts because if we don't have goal clarity, then initially when we start, we can be one or two degrees off and not know that, then several months or weeks later, we can be 20% off course, which can become extraordinarily uh, like problematic. And that's why it always stop, starts with uh, an understanding of making sure it's the right goal, because what happens when we have the right goal, then it gives us a very special type of focus I call uh, GOCUS, which stands for goal focus. Mm -hmm. 
And that allows us to be able to address the things in front of us, those little details that have to go right to move the ball forward to complete our goal. But it also allows us to have a peripheral awareness of things happening around us that may be better options to create a better goal. It may be blind sides that might be forming that could take us out of the game that we can actually circumvent and walk around. That's why, to me, you always take your goal, you expose it to the right goal criteria, which gives you the gocus or the hyperfocus plus the peripheral awareness necessary to make all the right choices to move forward to goal completion. Excellent. Can you last question, ten minutes, four questions. Can you please tell me more about Mr. John Burton? John Burton was my mentor and uh, literally the the man that uh, saved my life, but also helped craft and draw out of me parts of me that I would not have had access to with the circumstances that I grew up around. And John Burton, as a person, uh, he was a true Renaissance man. He was a Victorian born in the late 1800s. I met him when he was 76 and I was 18. He was a, uh, a television correspondent. He was a Shakespearean actor. He was a playwright, poet, author. He had developed a whole new type of art glass sculpture, truly a Renaissance man. And uh, he chose me to be his apprentice to help him create his glass masterpieces. And I spent uh, a day every weekend basically with him, helping him craft the masterpieces. And at lunchtime, he would read to me poetry. He would uh, read to me the great uh, philosophers. We would listen to classical music, and he would just kind of fill my bucket up with these other types of considerations and influences to help shape my mind and how I viewed life and what my experience was. And though I came from a welfare family, that I would never have gotten this from that it just wasn't within the mentality. I had the capacity for embracing it. And uh, because of his amazing generosity to me, he shared those things with me that helped uh, shape uh, a big part of the lens that I look at life through. And I, I certainly owe uh, a debt of gratitude that is uh, um, as big as it can get to John for everything that he did for me. So you can thank him for adding multiple dimensions to your... your 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, as, and there were other mentors as well. To make the Olympics, I had someone that helped me out do that, which I couldn't have done by myself. Things that I achieved in school uh, and elsewhere certainly could not have been done without the gracious help of mentors that uh, shared with me their secrets on how they became iconic. That's awesome. That's wonderful. That's really, really a blessing. Yeah. Um, okay. Can you please tell me, where, where can we learn more about you, your work, and private coaching? Well, the hotline would be my website, which is www.drjeffspencer.com. That's www.drjeffspencer.com. That's kind of the hub of where everything takes place. And I would encourage people to go there. And there's a paper that I wrote that they can download as a gift from me to them. It's called How Not to Blow It Just Before You Win. And one of the things that I've discovered is that when people get close to a personal breakthrough, sometimes actually more likely than not, they blow the opportunity because they just don't know how to finish the job in those critical situations. And that paper will show them the three essential steps that they need to take to be able to finish the job in those situations. 
So that would be the best and most effective way of getting in touch with me. Um, that will also put them on my list, and uh, I will be in due and periodic announcements for the events and the opportunities that I'm creating for people. The other thing about that is that by putting your name and your email address, you'll receive from me every month two blogs that are about 400 words about things that I think are relevant for you to be able to achieve your goals consistently and predictably. Each month, you'll also get two short podcasts that are on a particular topic that I think is relevant to create a life of passion and purpose. And there will also be little uh, phrases that you'll get uh, twice a month that are also inspirational to show you how to live a life of prosperity and contribution. Great. That is, that is some great information. I subscribe and it's oh, thanks. One, every, every email is first thing. It instantly gets read, never gets put on hold. Oh, well, thank you, Brent. That makes my day. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you very much, Dr. Jeff Spencer on the 104 podcast. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks again. Onward and upward, everybody. Onward and upward. Thank you. You got it. Managing anxiety, redundant systems, executing and getting started. All things that need time and effort, but get results. Not bad for 10 minutes today. 10-4 optics, 100% forever. SFP modules for your network. Give your network and life the big thumbs up it deserves. 10-4optics.com. And here's more of Dr. Jeff Spencer's work. Here we go. Oh, Stewart had a good start. He's going to work the inside. He's going to get the whole shot. And Villapoto's right with him. Reed and Roxon come on the inside also. Look at that. Whole shot to fourth. And Dungey joins the fight on the five. Uh, Kevin, when, Ralph, when's the last time you saw James Stewart get shoveled oh, Chad back? Reed! Chad Reed's in the lead, and this stadium's going nuts! Oh, and Roxon bouncing his way almost into the number one of Villapoto. What's he gonna do here? Here goes, He's gonna attack! Goes. He's gonna attack! storm let's see if any of these guys decide to pull the trigger on the quad Roxon won the season opener Reed wins Anaheim two they're second and third in the points who's gonna win here tonight wow what focus and concentration it takes for both riders right now Chad Reed trying to hold on to it the crowd here at Angel Stadium they are responding to the 22 being out front two races in a row Roxon, good through the woods. Can't get him there. Third baseline. The crowd, all three layers of yellow this stadium. Flags yellow flags in front of him. What will that do? Stewart. Reed gets through there good. Now they got the 77 0 Will that come into play? It's Albertson. He's in the way of the leaders. What are they going to do? He's got to get out of the way. Reed comes up the inside. Now Howerson moves, that could be the difference. It really slowed Roxon up. Here he comes, Jeff Reed's done it again. Chad, congratulations on that win tonight. Two weeks ago, you told me you were a championship contender. You backed it up tonight. But how did you handle the pressure of having those guys right behind you the whole time? 